made the decision to oppose the House Democrats' slanted and unbalanced proposal for another commission to study the events of January the 6th. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. That was the voice of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell announcing that he will not support a bipartisan commission to investigate the events of the January 6th insurrection and attack on the Capitol. On that day back in January, McConnell made an impassioned speech on the Senate floor just hours after insurrectionists had broken into that chamber in an attempt to violently overthrow our democracy and hand a second term to Donald Trump. Let's take a listen to what McConnell said then. I want to say to the American people, the United States Senate will not be intimidated. We will not be kept out of this chamber by thugs, mobs, or threats. We will not bow to lawlessness or intimidation. So the Senate Republican leader initially said he was open to a congressional commission to investigate what happened on that day. But now, magically, he's changed his mind. And it looks more and more likely that supporters of the commission won't be able to get 10 GOP senators to support the commission. That's the number they need to get past a filibuster. Many Republicans say, well, this has happened in the past. Why are Democrats so stuck in the past, even though it's just a few months ago? Uh, This might be a good time to remind everyone, though, that the 9-11 Commission was created on November 27, 2002, more than a year after the events of September 11th. So the question is, what are Republicans so afraid of? That's where we begin the conversation today, and we've got two people here to help frame it for us. Olivier Knox is a national political correspondent for The Washington Post and author of The Daily 202. He wrote a piece titled, The Reason the GOP Wants to Kill the January 6th Commission, the Midterm Elections. Olivier Knox, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Also with us is uh, Jeff Timmer. He's a former Michigan GOP state executive director and longtime political strategist, He is co-founder of Republicans and Independents for Biden and a senior advisor to the Lincoln Project. Uh, Jeff Timmer, welcome back to Detroit Today. Stephen, I'm glad to be here. So, Olivia, I'm going to start with you. Catch us up. What is going on with the congressional attempts to create this commission? Where are we? Well, barring an unexpected breakthrough, uh, the commission is going to uh, die a slow, lingering death. It doesn't look like the Democrats have been able to rally the 10 Republican votes they need, as you pointed out, to break through a filibuster. There are uh, a few public uh, voices of support from from the GOP, you know, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, folks like that. There are a few other gettable uh, Republicans, or at least theoretically, people like Susan Collins uh, or, or Senator Cassidy, but um, not near the number 10. So what it looks like is going to happen is the Senate will vote on this probably today, uh, will not rally the 60 votes necessary, and, uh, well, then it'll be up to Democrats to try to figure out the way forward. So we keep reaching this point in Washington where the majority party, in this case the Democrats, have control of both chambers but don't have enough power in the Senate to get you know, critical things done that they that they'd like to do. And then 
we could come to this point where people start questioning the value of the filibuster, which is a, a very old institution in the Senate. It's got a really complicated history. Democrats often say, maybe it's time we get rid of that. Is is this the issue that likely will push that uh, push that question to the to the forefront, or is it not quite so big or quite so important that Democrats would risk that? I mean, it'll obviously renew interest in doing away with the filibuster. It will obviously ratchet up the pressure. But already we've seen Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, one of the pivotal voices in this question. He's already ruled it out. He's already said, he told reporters the other day, um, that he wouldn't be able to, to, to take the political fallout if he changes his stance. For months now, he's said he will not vote to end the filibuster. He will not vote uh, uh, to uh, to scrap this, this particular institution. Um, so I don't. Obviously, he'll come under renewed pressure, but it, he's he's ruled it out. I don't see any reason to think that he or Kirsten Sinema, the Democrat from Arizona, are going to change their stance. And that means um, whatever pressure the Democrats bring to bear means they they don't have enough votes to uh, to end the filibuster. Yeah, uh, Jeff Timmer, let's talk about what's going on inside the party. What is it that Republicans are fearful of here? Mitch McConnell says that it's it's too slanted that that Democrats have have framed this in a way that that he doesn't like what what do you suspect he's he's worried about well first we need to stop treating these objections as legitimate they're they're, they're not I mean they're what they're afraid of two things in the house largely they're afraid they're afraid of their complicity they're afraid of the investigation exposing the number of GOP House members, those who were serving in Congress on January 6th, who were directly coordinating with the the mob, with people in who are breaching the Capitol. They know that's going to come to light, and they're scared to death of the results of that. And in the Senate, largely, they're afraid of the political fallout. They know that uh, this is a toxic event, uh, one of the worst events in American history. It ranks up there with 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. And I've said it's more insidious because it was an attack from within and above, not a foreign or uh, enemy, a state actor or a terrorist. And so they're, they're desperately afraid of this being something that's on the forefront of many voters' minds as they head into the election year next year, because they know if this is what voters are thinking about, they're in real trouble. Hmm. So so you you can't have this conversation, I think, Jeff, without talking about Donald Trump, the former president of the United States, who, you know, by many accounts helped incite what happened on, on January 6th. But but who also remains a, a powerful figure in in the party and kind of a pivot point? I think uh, you know th- th- there is this sense among many Republicans I know that they've got to get past Donald Trump, that they've got to move to uh, to at least uh, considering you know uh, potential candidates for 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 president who who will pull in votes, not push them away the way uh, that, that that he did. Uh, but but then you also have lots of Republicans who 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 feel like he's representative of the party's values at this point, and they want to they want to keep going. Uh, talk about how that calculus is playing out here in in the in the context of of, of this potential commission. Well. 
you, the way you set that up uh, made it sound like there's a large number of Republicans who look at Trump as the former guy, and that's just not true. Hmm. That number of people who want to get past Trump, who are looking at other candidates, uh, who are trying to restore some semblance of sanity to the party, are virtually non-existent. The, the fact of the matter is, uh, it's Donald Trump is the Republican Party. He's not just a leading figure in it. He is the Republican Party. The power of all the other Republicans elected in Washington or in state capitals or who control the party committees across the country, if you combine all of them and add up their power, it doesn't even come close to what Donald Trump has. Hmm. And so the fact of the matter is Donald Trump personifies the Republican Party. His power has not lessened uh, since he's left office, it has only maintained or grown. And it, the the number of Republicans who are willing to stand up to him are few and far between. And when they do, like Liz Cheney is a great example, they're taken to the, uh, uh, you know, kind of metaphorically to the public square and stoned for their blasphemy. Mm. I'm talking with uh, Olivier Knox. He's a national political correspondent for The Washington Post. And with Jeff Timmer, a former Michigan GOP state executive director and longtime political strategist, we're talking about the roadblock that uh, Republicans in Washington have thrown up in front of the idea of a commission to look into what happened on January 6th when uh, a bunch of insurrectionists attacked the Capitol uh, to try to, to derail uh, the counting of uh, electoral votes after the, the November 2020 elections. Um, we're talking about why Republicans are doing this. Uh, they will likely be successful in this effort because you still need 60 votes in the Senate uh, to do things of significance, and that would mean you need 10 uh, Republican senators to join Democrats in voting for uh, voting for a commission. That's not likely to happen. Uh, and you've got uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell out now saying he's not supporting it, uh, which means uh, likely uh, this is all going to, to, to not happen. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call and uh, tell us what do you think of this Republican refusal to support what is a bipartisan congressional commission that would investigate the events of January 6th? Why do you think they're standing in the way of that? Commission. Uh, also, what do you think this says about the Republican Party in 2021? Jeff Timmer uh, just was talking about how the Republican Party is now still defined by Donald Trump uh, and that uh, people who want to move on are in a distinct minority. Are you a Republican? And uh, give us a call and let us know if you think that's true and if you're okay with that uh, being the way that your party. Uh, is being conducted right now. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation that way. Uh, Olivier, I want to talk a little about uh, your piece that uh, that talks about the midterm elections and the role that they're playing here. Um, uh, what Jeff just said about Donald Trump defining the party also has a lot to do with what they what happens uh, in the midterm elections. I wonder if you can just talk just a little about how that dynamic is coming to bear on on this conversation. 
Sure. So Mitch McConnell and other leading Republicans have actually moved beyond the clip that you played in which it sounded like they were raising procedural objections to the creation of this commission. By procedural objections, I mean how the commission would be put together, what rules would mm-hmm. govern the commission, who could call uh, witnesses, how they would put together their staff. That was the early objections. Um, <clears throat> it is notable that Mitch McConnell referred to it as the House Democrats position when mm-hmm. it was actually voted by 30, it was approved by uh, also by 35 Republicans in the House. Uh, in terms of the midterms, I mean, Jeff's exactly right that, that Donald Trump does exemplify the Republican Party. He is its most potent force. And what you hear from Senate Republicans increasingly openly is less the procedural argument and now more the political argument. The political ar- argument runs something like this. If we greenlight this panel, this commission, to look into January 6th, even if it wraps up its work December 30th, which is what the legislation calls for. We are going to be talking about this um, through the midterm cycle. And they said, Mitch McConnell said this week, he said, we think the American people going forward and in the fall of 22 ought to focus on what this administration is doing to the country Mm. and what the clear choice is that we have made to oppose most of these initiatives, end quote, while Democrats, quote, would like to continue to debate things that occurred in the past. They'd like to continue to litigate the former president into the future. It's fairly clear that uh, Mitch McConnell is concerned about the potential damage to the Trump brand and consequently the damage to the Republicans. Um, the, the other part of Mitch McConnell's calculus here, and you can hear it in that quote that I read, they want the midterms to be sort of what they traditionally are, which is a referendum on the sitting president. They do not want this to become a choice between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. They saw how that went um, in, in November. Um, and they worry about the the potential impact on voters should they should they green like this. Um, the other good uh, the other good quote that that, that that showcases this even even more is John Thune of uh, South Dakota. He's the number two Senate Republican, mm-hmm. and here's what he told CNN last week: "Quote anything that gets us rehashing the 2020 elections, I think, is a day lost on being able to draw a contrast, meaning between Republicans and and Democrats." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's get started with Chuck in Franklin. Chuck, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Hi. Um, as you know, your guests might not know, um, I've been a regular pro uh, Chuck, I, we're we're having a hard time with your uh, your connection. Uh, I I really do want to get to your point though, Chuck. So, hang up and call us back, and uh, we'll get you back in the queue uh, to get on on the air here. I really do want to get to the point that you're trying to make. Um, Sammy in Detroit, uh, you're up next. Sammy, what's on your mind? Good morning to you, David, and good morning to the wonderful guests that you have. So my mind is two things. Number one, the image of the United States uh, over the world is like will be damaged big time uh, because of this deviation between the two parties, uh, because one of them is looking to dig into the truth and hold people accountable for what they did, and the other one is uh, favoriting the uh, uh, political interest over the justice and the human rights and the democracy that we are trying to be advocates for them over the world. This is number one. Number two, the Republicans are very interested into the next uh, midterm election over the rights of the American people. So they are willing to keep uh, 
marketing the faults of the previous administration and previous president uh, that the election was fraud, the election was stolen. And because of that, they are willing to stick to this illusions so and do anything to keep it cover and make sure that no one knows exactly what's happened because this is will come together. People will know exactly what's happened and also will find out oh, that we have an accurate election. And what's been told to us all that time is like fake and delusion. And this is on the long run will damage the reputation and the accountability of the Republican Party. Mm. Uh, Sammy, uh, really appreciate the call and uh, and, and the thoughts. Uh, uh, Jeff Timmer, as a Republican, I wonder what your reaction is. Well, you know, I, I, I wanted to go back to what Olivia was saying about, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell and John Thune's quotes, wanting the election in 2022 to be about anything but the past. <laughs> you know, those a defendant in a trial would love the jury to focus on anything but their guilt. And this is what we're seeing here. Uh, and it's, it's uh, I think, foolish and naive, uh, almost to the point of childish on their part, to think that uh, Donald Trump is going away and won't be a factor in the 2022 election. He's not. He's the one out there litigating this every day, litigating the 2020 election and the outcome. Uh, he and uh, his surrogates are still out there pushing the notion that uh, the election wasn't legitimate. 70% of Republicans uh, that you know that represents nearly 50 million voters believe Joe Biden is not the legitimate president, uh, legitimately elected, and that's just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivier Knox, uh, what do you think of what uh, what Sammy was saying there? Well, um, first let me just let me just agree that, that that Donald Trump is not going anywhere; that he'll be he will be a factor um, in the midterms. He's supposed to start resuming his rallies. Um, he's putting out statements, you know, I mean, they're emails now, not tweets, but they come, they're coming more and more fast and furious. <laughs> um, I, I, I do want to take just a quick parenthetical to say that like, Democrats are not are not unaware of the political benefit they could reap from this commission. Mm-hmm. But that was true. That was also true um, when the 9-11 commission was being put together. What people tend to forget about the 9-11 commission is there was actually more fighting about it than than people. People have sort of glossed over that. They sort of recall this as a big um, uh, uh, moment of national unity. And it was actually a lot more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. And there mm-hmm. were fights over how long it would last, how what it would be looking into, how it would report, whether it would interview or um, take testimony from President Bush. There was, there was actually, actually a lot more fighting over that than, um, than a lot of people remember. In terms of the, uh, the, the, the midterm dynamic, um, I'm, I'm a little... Um, I guess I'm a little perplexed by what by what Sammy is, is getting at, but I would say that uh, that the uh, the the again the Republicans want this to be as traditional a midterm as possible. Uh, they want this to be um, a, a dynamic in which the sitting president's party loses seats. The map's actually pretty good for them. Yeah. Uh, they are mindful that that Donald Trump uh, uh, lost to Joe Biden, but did actually did did very well in terms of vote counts. They're also very very aware. That they did extremely well in down ballot races. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of pollsters and a lot of uh, forecasters with egg on their face after the election because of the results in the Senate, because of the results in the House, because of big states like Florida. And so they, again, they want this to be as traditional as possible. And few things would make it less traditional than a conversation about whether and how the president, the former president of the United States, incited an insurrection at the Capitol. Yeah, yeah. Again, Sammy, thanks very much for the call. Uh, and the thoughts. Let's go back to Ch- Chuck in Franklin. He is back with us. Chuck, 
Go ahead. Uh, Stephen, I'm so sorry for the for the call breakup yeah, earlier. Okay. Um, you know that I'm, I've been a regular caller um, and always have faithfully uh, defended the GOP whenever possible. And sometimes I've, I've uh, criticized you a bit for not having a GOP views uh, among the guests. And this time, I got to say, there is no GOP view for, mm. for this argument. I mean, there's no there's no cognizable uh, GOP argument against a, a commission. Um, there's nothing you can say. You, the, the four of us could pick any um, sitting Republican legislator we wanted, and we'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who could really articulate an argument against this commission. It, it should happen. Hmm. Um, I just, I, I, it's, uh, it's astonishing. Yeah. I, I did a little count. I came up with seven possible U.S. senators that might go with this, hmm. um, but I couldn't get to ten. Right, um, and uh, and so that's a problem. I think in the Senate sometimes there's a there's a dynamic where if you can get to ten, maybe you could get to fifteen. Right. <laughs> you know, and people find safety in numbers. Yes, yes. Um, but um, I, I, you know, I, I would I've, I've been on board with this all along. I was one of the original uh, um, participants in the first. Lincoln Project organizing meeting with Jeff Timmer and George um, uh, George Conway hmm. and um, uh, I, I don't know this is uh, I, I think every every uh, uh, um, uh, uh, by by election every um, every midterm is sort of sui generis yeah. and I don't think that uh, I'm not at all counting on Republicans to um, to regain uh, the House and the Senate um, we can make this a referendum on Donald Trump and make it a big, big negative. And um, and I think I think uh, the Democrats could hold the the House and the could Senate. Could hold both. Yeah. Chuck, I, I always uh, love that uh, you listen and that you, you call and participate in the conversation here. Thanks very much for those thoughts. Uh, Jeff Timmer, I know that we're going to have to let you go in a little bit. But before I, I do, I, I want to ask you about something that Bridge Magazine uh, reported this week about a number of people from Michigan who participated in what happened on January 6th who are now running for public office here in Michigan, uh, including for governor and for states, uh, seats in the state legislature. Uh, you were quoted in that piece saying that it's a mistake to talk about these people as fringe or extremist. I wonder, I wonder if you can talk about what you mean by that. Well, I think there's a tendency uh, by by most rational observers uh, that I count that uh, you know that the 81 million people in the country who voted for for Joe Biden, um, uh, who look at these people and think that they represent some kind of lunatic fringe, uh, but the fact of the matter is is that people like those uh, cited in the article focused here on Michigan, those more nationally famous like Marjorie Taylor Greene or mm-hmm. Lauren Boebert or Matt Gates, they're not fringe. They're not the extremists. They're well within the mainstream of today's Republican Party. And it's people like Fred Upton uh, or Pete Meyer, the congressman from Michigan who voted for impeachment. Mm-hmm. They're the extremists in that party relative to the rest of the party. And that's something that people haven't really wrapped their minds around is that it's it's not these people who were there on January 6th who are now running for office all across Michigan and all across the country, those who breached the Capitol. Uh, they're not the, the outliers. They're the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeff Timmer, we are going to 
let you go. But uh, as uh, as always, I'm really grateful for the time you were able to give us. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We are going to continue the conversation with Olivier Knox of the Washington Post, and we will continue to get to your calls and comments. Maryland and Oak Park, John on the east side, Jimmy in Birmingham. We'll hear from you next. We've also got a number of social media comments to get to. If you'd like to join us, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. My guest right now is Olivier Knox. He's a national political correspondent for The Washington Post, uh, author of The Daily 202, and he wrote a piece recently titled uh, The Reason the GOP Wants to Kill the January 6th Commission, the Midterm Elections. So what we're talking about is the GOP effort to block a commission that would look into what happened on January 6th when insurrectionists attacked the Capitol trying to derail the counting of electoral votes after the November uh, 2020 elections. Uh, we want to hear from you as well. What do you think about this effort to not have a commission look into this? Uh, what do you think Republicans are up to? What are they afraid of? We especially want to hear from you if you are a Republican. Uh, what do you think of all of this? Uh, what do you think of what's going on inside your party, the influence that former President Donald Trump still has over things, uh, the difficulty uh, getting past his presidency and all of the controversy uh, that it inspired to, to find a different future. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter Put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. I want to read a couple social media comments before we get back to the phones. Mark on Twitter says, GOP are blocking any investigation because they are complicit. It's like asking the arsonist to help investigate the fire he started. Dems need to get moving. Investigation should have begun on January 7th. Ed on Twitter says, what does the GOP have to gain from not being in a bipartisan review? The Dems have the power to call everyone they want. Is it only a chance to continue with the big lie? Mike on Twitter says, maybe it's better that they don't. They'll turn it into a circus and stop it from being a real inquiry. Let's go to Marilyn in Oak Park. Marilyn, what's on your mind? Good morning, Stephen. Uh, what, you just, what you just said with all those uh, Twitter people made sense to me, but I, I will add, um, I, I think that Congress should not be given the responsibility for creating a commission to investigate the January 6th insurrection because there's no way it could be conducted in a fair and honest manner. Mm. I heard Barbara McQuaid on public radio last week, and she made the point that Kevin McCarthy could be viewed as having a conflict of interest mm -hmm. regarding regarding this issue. Frankly, I think you could say the same thing about several of the uh, Republican congressional uh, members. We don't, we don't know the extent of involvement that they had with setting up and or standing by the insurrection. It's certainly these congressional members shouldn't be in the position of of uh, of of 
representing them, uh, investigating themselves, nor should they, nor should these spineless uh, opportunists be given the chance to turn such an important investigation into a game show. Mm. Uh, Marilyn, uh, really appreciate the call and uh, the provocative points there. Uh, Olivier Knox, this is different in the sense that this is something that happened to Congress. It happened at the Capitol. And there is, I think, a, a, a natural question about potential conflicts of interest uh, that, that might arise. It, certainly, uh, if this commission went forward, uh, as Jeff Timmer was saying, there would be a number of, of House members in particular uh, who might end up being the subject of, of inquiry about the role that they, that they played here. But, but of course, uh, the, the way Congress is structured, the way things work in Washington— there really isn't another avenue to try to review this, is there? Well, there, there, there could be. I mean, if, if this does, in fact, reach a dead end, uh, then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will have to decide whether she wants to uh, create a special committee, a select committee, to mm-hmm. look into this. That's a possibility. But, but you, raise, you, know, you raise an interesting point, because one of the arguments we heard from Mitch McConnell this week is, in effect, that it's all being handled. It's all being taken care of. Law enforcement is investigating, arresting, and trying the people who carried out the, the physical uh, insurrection. The uh, Senate committees are looking into avoiding a repeat by, uh, by hardening security at the Capitol. Uh, but as you point out, there are a lot of things that, wouldn't, that aren't going to come up in, 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 in either of those venues. For one thing, a number of the people who took part in the Capitol riot are pleading out. Mm-hmm. So um, there's not there's not as much discovery. There's not as much information coming out from the from the arrest and and trial phases of their uh, 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 of their cases. Um, so we're not really we're not getting as 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 uh, as good a look at the interlocking pieces of, of the uh, of the events leading up to the interaction. The other is that the um, the committees are not they're only looking into the, the physical security failures, the command structure failures of the uh, 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 during the on the day of the riot. They're not really looking into uh, things like, well, as you pointed out, Kevin McCarthy's now infamous phone call with Donald Trump, um, in which he tells Donald Trump that his supporters, that it's Trump supporters who are carrying out the riot. And Donald Trump responds something like, well, Kevin, I suppose those people are just more upset about the election, the election than you are. <laughs> um, so this is one of the big questions, right? What happened in the West Wing during the uh, during the riots? What mm-hmm. happened? What, what kind of communication was there between Congress and the White House during the riot? Um, those are the kinds of things that we're not going to get absent something a little different, something something outside regular order, something outside the regular committee process and the regular law enforcement process. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on, uh, on the phones. Uh, Jimmy in Birmingham, you're up next. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I usually try to stay pretty level-headed on these things especially because I have, I mean, I lean left, but I have a lot of friends and family that lean right. But listen, Republicans held 33 hearings in 2012 uh, due to the attack on the embassy in Benghazi. Mm -hmm. It killed four Americans, right? Yet they won't support an investigation that an attack on our capital that killed five Americans. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am, I'm pretty fired up if you can't tell. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I would love for your your guest to yeah 
Yeah, uh, Jimmy. I mean, you raise a you raise a great point, and and uh, Olivia, I think it it gets to a larger question, which is, I mean, there's a lot of duplicity uh, behind what the GOP is up to, not just here, but uh, but has been up to for for a while. Um, and it's not that duplicity is new to politics, but I think the level of dishonesty and the hypocrisy that we're seeing here is is somewhat outsized, and and I think. There's a question of, uh, about how long that can be the, 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 the fundamental strategy for a political party. I mean, this is a party that, um, yeah, it's, it's doing well in some regards. And, and as you point out uh, earlier, you know, down ballot did pretty well in November. And you know, it's not like Donald Trump got, got killed in the, in the presidential election. But it's also a party that has only won one popular election for president – since 1988 and and has a lot of uh, I think uh, has a lot of problem with some core constituencies. What is the I guess what's the prognosis for this kind of strategy just kind of dominating uh, the party into the future? And, and at what point, I guess, will uh, will voters just just I mean, turn away from it and, and, and punish them, I guess, for. For the kind of thing that Jimmy's pointing out here. Well, let's take the uh, let's take your point about the presidential election. Let's start from that point of view. Um, okay, so um, they haven't done well in terms of winning the uh, the popular vote. That hasn't mattered. Um, the electoral college, um, our, our electoral college system, means that they've taken the presidency and they've been able to shape mm-hmm. uh, the American political landscape, the American judicial landscape. Um, in ways that will probably be impacting us, you know, a generation or two down the road. So they benefit from a lot of structural advantages. And um, unless those change fairly radically, um, this is, I mean, I'm sorry to say, this duplicity, as you put it, it, it's it's working out. Um, And in fact, what they're doing is they're shoring up some of these structural advantages. Mm -hmm. That's the point of a lot of these new election laws in places like Florida and Texas, where they're saying that they're addressing systemic fraud. There's no evidence of that. There's no evidence of systemic fraud. Um, so they're, they're showing up their ability to, 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 uh, to, to leverage the structure, our political system structure for political advantage. Um, so, um, you know, we can talk about a voter re- rejection, um, but, you know, we don't have a national election. Right. We have, we have, we have uh, you know, 50 states and some territories voting. So, um, so I don't I don't know that there's anything in the structure of our political system that will uh, that that will check the, uh, the 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 party just because it's not getting um, just because it's not winning the popular vote in the presidential election. Yeah. Okay, Olivier Knox, national political correspondent for the Washington Post. Great to have you here with us uh, for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining. My pleasure. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at a new holistic defense pilot program at Wayne State University. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.